Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and guess what? It is back. That's right. The Stoop is here. It's Monday night, something we all wait for, from the listeners to the hosts. And I'm one of them. I'm Jonathan Ragus. Thank you for joining us tonight. And always alongside me is my buddy, the shark, Jeff Perini. What's going on, man? Another TGIM. Thank God it's Monday night because we got the stoop. We've got some action. We got more great guests and lots of news. So uh, let's get at it. Absolutely. And first, we have to apologize to you, our listeners, because on Thursday night, we weren't here. Jeff, what happened, man? We went missing. We were on the back of a milk carton. Nobody knew where we were. We were just dead air here at the stoop. And unfortunately, that is because Blog Talk Radio in their infinite wisdom, had technical difficulties yet again. So we couldn't bring you our great show with Erica Chase, but guess what? She will be here August 8th with us. We were able to reschedule right away, so we will bring you that show on August 8th. And I'm excited to have Erica on, man. She's, she's, she's cool. She's funny. She's, she's gorgeous. And she's so talented, Jeff, man. We listened to her song, man, and it was phenomenal, dude. That's pretty weird. The last thing I remember Thursday night was a bottle of Jack, some girl in high heels walking down the street and asked me if I had 20 bucks, and that was it. There was a show Thursday night? Holy shit. Yes, there was a show. There was a show <laughs> Thursday night, but we weren't yeah, here, we unfortunately. I'm very excited. I'm excited for Erica Chase. She looks great and uh, very talented. Good tunes. I checked some of it out, and uh, we're bringing the heat, man. We are bringing great talent. It gets better every show. So if you're not listening, uh, that's a shame on you. Absolutely. But tonight, it's still going to be a music time here, man. We're going to be joined by musician Jonathan Cavier. He's going to be joining us at the 8 o'clock hour, and uh, we're going to talk to him about his career, and uh, we get a little treat as we're going to listen to his latest single, Pearl, off of his latest album, Premiere. So really looking forward to having Jonathan on with us in just a little bit. And of course, I'm a fan already because, listen, man, what, what a great name. Jonathan is such an amazing name. Uh, so of course, you know... Uh, He's, he's, he's going to be my buddy here tonight. But it's top five time here at the Stoop. It's what we love to do here. And this is one that's a little different from what we normally do, Jeff. So it's the top five moments in history that changed our lives. So it's, going to be, it's something that changed your life and something that changed my life. So what we're going to do here is Jeff's going to kick it off. All right. And, um, yeah, kind of like moments that in history that made you think or – made you change your mindset or you watch on TV and it had an effect on you. So uh, top five, I got a tie, as always, at number five. Um, <laughs> and, and both of these are sports ones and uh, feel-good stories. 1980 U.S. hockey team defeats Russia. It's a story I love. I've mentioned it before. It's one of my favorite all-time news stories, period. Um, the young underdogs taking down the mighty giant. Just a great story. And um, James Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. The, um, the unbeatable Tyson, the legend, the man who redefined the sport, uh, kind of shows you if you underestimate your opponent, you can and will get knocked flat on your butt, no pun intended, and uh, just two great stories of underdogs. Um, awesome stuff. You know, coming up top. Number four, uh, the death of Michael Jackson. And uh might make people scratch their head and say, huh? But Jackson was such a huge star just bigger than life than name, and he had such a great run. And his guy, he just thought was invincible. As a young kid, we followed him. I know he had some media stuff as he got older, but just a guy who was such an icon, recognizable everywhere, and then suddenly he was gone. 
And the bizarreness yeah. of it, and just to make you think how quickly it could all go away. So number four, the death of Michael Jackson. Number three, uh, Live Aid. Such a great idea. A great concert, a great cause, and to bring all these stars together in two different cities. Um, I watched it all on TV almost the whole day, and uh, just bringing back so many bands, reuniting bands, bringing in new bands, and the two cities did such a great job. Live Aid, a massive event, number three for me. Number two, obviously, the uh, the 9-11 attacks um, made you realize as the United States, you're vulnerable. You're not as tough and indestructible as you think. And uh, somebody comes right on your own territory and invades your country, it's tough. And that, that one will always stick. And number one Absolutely. for me, as a, kid, as a kid growing up, um, this one was big. It was the disbanding of the USSR, um, watching the Soviet um, Republic branch off into multiple countries because the Cold War in the 80s, man, it was always scary. The U.S. and the USSR, nuclear talk and the possible threat. And it was always scary as a kid. You always had it in the back of your mind. So when they disbanded and it kind of ended the Cold War, brought a sense of peace to me as, as, a, as a kid. And I moved on feeling a little more confident and proud to be an American. And uh, that's it. All different diverse uh, universes, but that's my top uh, five plus. Very nice, very nice, man. I like it. All right, man, well, I actually got two ties tonight, man, because this was a hard one, man. You gave me a hard one, Jeff. You threw me that curveball, <laughs> and it took me a little bit of uh, of time here for me to come up with what I wanted to have on my top five tonight. So here we go. Uh, tied at number five is the death of Ronnie James Dio. Um, okay. It's funny how you had the death of Michael Jackson, which was very impacting to me, but the death of Ronnie James Dio really hit me hard, man. I, I've always been a fan of RJD from Rainbow to Dio to Sabbath. Uh, just to me, when you think metal, you think Ronnie James Dio. To me, everybody says, well, Lemmy's God to them. Ozzy's God to them. To me, Ronnie James Dio is, is my metal of God. You know, my, excuse me, my God of metal. So, so that was really in, impacting to me. Um, number five, uh, tied as well. 1993, pitcher Jim Abbott throws a no-hitter. This is a guy that was born with one hand and became a Major League Baseball pitcher and a very good and effective one. The way he was able to take his glove off of his arm where he didn't have the hand, which I'll call his stump. I hate to call it that, but he would take the glove off his, off his stump as soon as he threw the ball and was able to field and he hit, too, um, but, th- but that was a very impactful moment to me. It showed that no matter what, you can do anything you really want to do. Uh, number four, 1994, my New York Rangers win the Stanley Cup. No explanation needed. Number three, America Online launches in the early 90s. Now, let me tell you, I spent a lot of time on America Online, on the WWF channel, in the chat rooms, just doing some fun stuff, and that launched pretty much my career in sports media. So uh, America Online launching in the early 90s was a huge, huge thing for me. Number two, it's funny how you had Live Aid. I have Hearing Aid. We are stars. Um, <laughs> the, the reason why this impacted me, man, was because you had the Live Aid, you had the Band-Aids. Everybody overlooked the hard rock and metal stars, and then they came out with Hearing Aid thanks to a guy. Ronnie James Dio, again, was a big part of this. Um, you, you just had all the great, great, great metal acts of the 80s doing this. Kevin DeBrow, uh, you know, Twisted Sister, Ronnie James Dio, Ozzy. Everybody was in this, and it was just such an amazing song. It was for a good benefit, and it was just awesome. And number one, um, no explanation needed. Uh, as I said, I, I'm, I'm from New York. I lived through it. It still sits with me today, and that's September 11th, 2001. 
uh, the terrorist attacks hitting the World Trade Center in New York City, uh, as well as hitting the uh, you know the Pentagon in Washington D.C. and I believe it was uh, was it Shanksville, Pennsylvania? Yes, I believe it was. Yeah, so it, it's just a, you know something I will never forget. Something that will always sit with me. Will I forget the death of Ronnie James Dio? No, I won't, but it won't be something that's always in the back of my mind. Will I forget the New York Rangers winning the Stanley Cup? No, I won't, but it's something that won't be an everyday occurrence. Uh, but September 11th, uh, I think about it quite often to this day, uh, 15 years later. So, yeah, that's my uh, my top five, man. Pretty awesome. It's it. amazing how um, we, we came up with this idea yesterday, um, and I gave you this idea, and I was even confused by my own idea, like where we were going to go. And it seems like we went down the same exact path. Um, some sports stuff, some death, uh, some 9-11, some big calls. So we all kind of, we had the same concepts. And it's amazing how, you know, we don't really sit down and do this stuff until show night. We plan it out, we write it out, and sometimes we're very all over the board. But tonight, man, we're just right there. It's amazing. It's perfect. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, it's always fun with our top five lists, and soon all of our top five lists will be accessible on our official website at www.stoopradio.com, where you can go on, and you can pretty much just check out all of our top five lists from the uh, moment this show began up until right now, or maybe in a few shows from now. Who knows when we'll get them up, but we'll get them up soon, I promise, even though I've been promising that for two months, and I apologize. It's my fault. I am a bad boy. Whip me. Um, today, man, the MLB <laughs> trading deadline, um, it really turned the league upside down. A lot of trades happened, uh, today, Jeff, and I'll just go through some of them. Um, we had, uh, Matt, Car- well, excuse me, um, Luis Castillo, right-handed pitcher, was traded from the San Diego Padres to the Miami Marlins for Colin Rhea, and then Colin Rhea was returned back to the Padres after suffering an arm injury in the lineup for the Marlins yesterday. Real interesting <laughs> story there. I'm sure a lot yeah. more is going to come out of that. Uh, today, Jonathan Neese returns to the New York Mets. Antonio Bastardo and Cash goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Oakland A's trade Josh Reddick and Rich Hill to the Dodgers for a group of three prospects. Real interesting there. Yankees trade Carlos Beltran to the Texas Rangers for Dylan Tate, Eric Swanson, Nick Green, and Ivan Nova gets traded to Pittsburgh for two players named there. So pretty much Yankees cleaning house. Um, Ricky Nolasco, Alex Meyer goes from the Minnesota Twins to the Los Angeles Angels. Will Smith from the Brewers to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, we can go uh, Jay Bruce. Pretty pretty much the two big trades of the day is Jay Bruce going from the Cincinnati Reds to my New York Mets. And then Jonathan LaCroix, who turned down a trade to the Indians, goes to the Texas Rangers. Um any of these deals surprising to you, Jeff? Any of these deals you think that teams are going to be pretty much turning their head around at any offseason thinking that they wish they didn't do it? And also, what's going on with your Phillies, man, and how come no moves have been made? Phillies sat still. I guess they wanted more than they could have got. Uh, Jeremy Hellickson was the guy and uh, had to be moved. I, I wouldn't have moved him. Um, he's really the only guy. There's really nobody overly remarkable. Uh, but, uh, that was the guy that should have been moved. Um, nice pickup, uh, Francisco Liriano uh, to the Blue Jays. That That's a nice pickup. Um, the Reddick thing to the Dodgers is a little surprising because now you've got four outfielders. And I'm just reading right now on ESPN that uh, that Puig has not made the trip with them. Um, yes. He did not join mm-hmm. on a road trip. So 
interesting turn of events there. Interesting to find out what happens there. Um, Jonathan Lucroy was kind of surprised going to Texas. You knew he was going to move, but going to Texas was a surprise. Um, I think the Mets did the right thing. They didn't help themselves defensively with Bruce, but they got the bat they needed. So uh, typical trade deadline stuff. Um, it's been years since we've had a super-duper blockbuster. But every year you get one or, one or two names, and uh, I'm surprised how big a draw Carlos Beltran was at his age. But, again, another nice move. Uh, pretty pretty active today. They got active late. Started yeah. out slow. Got active late. Yeah. Well, here's the, here here's a later deal today. I didn't even see this one. The San Francisco Giants acquiring Southpaw Matt Moore from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So that's uh, that's an interesting deal right there for uh, San Francisco. Steve Pierce goes from the Rays as well to the Baltimore Orioles. I know the Mets were interested in uh, Steve Pierce, but the price was too high. Um, and pretty much uh, all they got was a high-A catcher in uh, Jonah Heim. So uh, some interesting deals. Uh, do you think we're going to see a blockbuster again um, You know, with the likes of so many that we have seen in the past? Because the last couple of trade deadlines have been pretty nil, like you said. Yeah, I mean um... – the biggest one last year, of course, was Cole Hamels, and not because I'm a Philly guy, but it, that was the biggest name. And um, I said yeah, was, but I wouldn't quite call that a blockbuster, would you? It, it turns out to be a big trade right now. Watching the pieces that we got back, um, blockbuster. No, Hamels was the biggest name out there, and the reason why it, it gained a lot of steam is because everybody swore he was headed to California. Uh, the Dodgers were going to get him. He's an LA guy, and then he ends up in Texas. And Texas, the uh, last couple of years, has been busy. But like I said, you look at the names, they're not huge. Beltron, okay, Bruce, uh, very good ball players, uh, but guys that have been around for a while. Liriano, yeah, he used to be a superstar pitcher, but now, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, this whole Puig-Dodgers thing could be interesting. I don't know if he's a draw of a name that he was two years ago when he first got here. But uh, I think we're gonna. Be, I think it's going to be light coming in. I don't think we're going to see much else. I mean, it was a, a busy day, so... You know, sometimes yeah. you got to make the moves for the role players. Do you think uh, Puig is going to eventually? Is, I, I mean, because we we do know trades could be announced after the deadline if they're still being worked on, and they, you know they go to the office and say, "Hey, we're working on this trade. We need extra time." Do you think Puig is going to get traded, or you think they're just going to demote him? Uh, the fact he did not make the trip is interesting. Uh, demoting him, well, I, I think it makes. They said he disaster. stormed off. They well, said I mean, he stormed he, off. He's a child, and that's why they couldn't trade him last year. Apparently, they wanted Cole Hamels, and they wanted him in the deal, and he didn't want any parts of Philly. He didn't want any parts of this new regime they got in L.A., and here he is again, wandering the streets, you know, with, with no answer, and he's going to be a crybaby, and, it, you know, a demotion sets him straight, but I don't think it works out good for the Dodgers. I, I think if no. you put him on the bench, say, hey, you're, we're paying you. you. You play when we tell you to play, and if you know, that's it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to throw this at you. You're a player for a team that doesn't want you anymore. Do you carry on like a little immature, naive child and pretty much ruin your career, be put in the minors to pretty much to the point where probably no other team is going to want to take a chance on you and ruin what could be a promising career? Or you just take that trade and go to whatever the hell team they trade you to? <laughs> it's uh, it's easy to say that you would be the bigger person. You know, in the regular working world, I hear and see things. I'm like, eh, okay. But as a major league athlete, the ultimate revenge is go out, play your heart out, give it your all, go with the system. You're making millions of dollars. Take your trade and just try to be a better athlete at your next team. 
And yeah. you know, you always have to play in sports. You always have to play for the big payday. So, yeah, you got to put your head on straight. Just get out there and play the game. Yeah. All right, man. Let's uh, let's move it along here. Um, you're a video game guy. I'm a video game guy. We grew up on video games from Atari, Commodore 64, to lots of things, man. Now, I got to ask you this, man. Vintage gaming consoles, they've been around. You can go anywhere and pretty much get an NES. You can get this. You can get that. But now we got these plug-and-play consoles that are coming back into play. NES and Sega are coming out with two plug-in consoles, um, and I believe they're coming out in October. And let me see. I'm going to try to pick up a list right now here. Okay, so NES is coming out with 30 built-in games. Super Mario Brothers 2 and 3, Legend of Zelda, Donkey Kong, Dr. Mario, Zelda 2, Excite Bike, Punch-Out, Kid Icarus, Final Fantasy, Castlevania, I mean, you name it. There's 30 games. It's going to be available on November 11th for $59.99. To me, a steal, Jeff. But then you have Genesis, which already had theirs out, are going to be coming up with a anniversary console. Uh, because uh, I believe Sonic the Hedgehog is 25 years old now, which really makes me feel old. Uh, that's going to be coming out, too, with 80 games built in for the same $59.99. Would you pick either of these up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely lean towards the uh, Nintendo system. Um, yeah. I love it, man. I love old-time games. And uh, I told you a couple years back, we went to the uh, Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival and the uh, the fiance parked herself in front of Super Mario Brothers and had grown men and all watching this girl dominating this game, and she would love it. And I know I would love it, and it's fun. You want to get the kids back to and introduce the kids really back to the old school stuff you grew up with, and uh, it's so advanced now, and it's almost hard. I mean, for a guy like me who's been not out of it, I still play, but not like these kids do. It's it's crazy oh, yeah. how advanced this stuff is. So I like to get back to. Uh, yeah, the basic stuff. I think it's great, and I think the price is right for thirty games at, at sixty bucks. It's incredible. It, it's a great. I mean, idea. The I'm same thing is for uh, the same thing for Sega too. Eighty games for sixty bucks. Yeah, they said it's, it's I mean, great. They said finally, finally a reboot that we can uh, both agree on and love. I like it. I like the idea a lot. Yes, I, I, I honestly, I'm gonna pick up both. Listen, I, I have my retro duo system. I have some cartridges for the, you know, for it and. Somebody threw out my Sega Genesis years ago that I lent to, but to get Altered Beast, uh, you know, Golden Axe 1, 2, and 3, Streets of Rage, you know, Sonic, uh, man, Crackdown, Comic Zone, all of those games, 80 games in there, man, for 60 bucks. It's a no-brainer, dude. It's tremendous. It's fantastic. I can't... I'm getting them both, too. You know, hopefully it's a holiday season thing and a... To be on my Christmas list. I'm not picky. I'll take that. And I would, oh, I'd play that for hours and hide yeah. it down here in the man cave and go to <laughs> Keep it away from the fiance. Now, let me ask you this. You saw the list for the NES, right? The 30 games that are coming with it? Yes. Okay. You get it today. You plug it in. What's the first game you put on? Punch Out. <laughs> Even though it's not yeah. the real Punch Out? Yeah, I, I still. I go to Punch Out because... As we've had the discussion here on the show, I've never gone all the way. So I go right to punch out and take out my frustrations on my my past. And uh, even though I've slowed down, I, I go right to that first. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm 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 thrown up, man. I want to play Castlevania. I want to play Ghost and Goblins. I absolutely loved Ghost and Goblins when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, yep. Punch out, you know, Donkey Kong, you know, of course Zelda. But I gotta say, I think the first thing I put on, man, is Ninja Gaiden. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely more you than me. <laughs> yeah, Ninja Gaiden was the. Shh. I can't say it, but you know what I'm saying. Um, all right, man. Let's uh, move it on here real quick. Uh, HBO confirms. Game of Thrones is going to end after season eight. I know, I know you're happy about it. You're not a Game of Thrones guy. Um, you're kind of dumb that way. But uh, <laughs> my question to you is: Should more networks let people know when their favorite shows will end in advance? Because to me, being a Game of Thrones fan, am I disappointed it's going to end after season eight? Yes. Am I happy to know that? Two seasons before that, it's going to end? Yeah, I actually kind of am. I think it preps me to know that I know what's going to be coming up now. And I don't have to wait for that cliffhanger in season eight. But do you think networks, this should be a new trend and be like, yeah, we're only going to run this show for probably like another three seasons, then we'll be done after season 10? Nah, I like to go with the mystery. I like not quite knowing. Um... Getting into the season, well, usually, I mean, getting into the last season, you get an idea it's the last. Uh, they'll hint around to it. You'll feel it coming. Um, I can't even say anything. Game of Thrones is currently going on uh, in the studio, if you know what I mean. It, it's currently playing as we speak. Somebody's catching up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, you know, hey, a lot of people are fans. It just, for some reason, it kind of puts me to sleep. Um, my buddy, CJ, force feeds me it at his house, and uh I've fallen asleep both times, so it's a shutdown. But um, like I said, I mean, a little heads up. I think it's a little too much. A little too much heads up has people thinking too far ahead. Wait till the last season say, hey, this is it. We're going to give it one run, and then you get that much more amp. Like when I found out the Breaking Bay was at the end, I was so stoked for that last season to find out right at the end it was great. Mm. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of like knowing that it's going to end at season eight, and it's not even into season seven yet. There's something about it. Um I don't know what it is, but I'm happy about it. I'm happy to know that it's going to end. Not happy that it's ending, but I'm happy to know that it's going to end. Um, speaking of television shows, I'm addicted to Stranger Things on Netflix. Have you started watching it yet? I have not. I've seen you uh, tag it. Uh, i got to catch up with some shows, man. i got to catch up with Ray Donovan and and this one and uh, Roadies. I'm so far behind. You know, yeah. I'm just so far I'll, behind. I'll, I'll say this. We talk a lot about reboots and why they keep doing it. And then we have Stranger Things, which was created by the Duffer Brothers. And it's a sci-fi slash mystery set in the 80s. The soundtrack is just freaking amazing. The acting is awesome. Matthew Modine, Winona Ryder, uh, and a whole bunch of other people that I don't know off the top of my head right now. Uh, the acting's phenomenal. The opening score, man, it looks like it's shot in an 8mm camera, this whole show. It is absolutely freaking phenomenal. It's like somebody took the 80s and put it into 2016. It's not like the Goldbergs that's just set in the 80s with you know, 80s you know, things going on. This looks like this was filmed in the 80s and has only been put on TV now, man. It is just freaking amazing. The show is awesome. I, I man, I am so addicted. It's only eight episodes for season one. Let me tell you, Jeff, you gotta watch it, man. <laughs> gotta watch it. 
Put that on top yeah. of your list in front of Ray Donovan. Sorry to our friend Peter Campbell. Put it in front of roadies, even though I'm excited <laughs> to start watching roadies next week, which I'm going to. Yeah. Got showtime and everything. Can't wait for it to happen. Stranger Things by their Duffer Brothers is absolutely flawlessly made, man. Flawless TV. I am writing it down as we speak. I will have to give it a stab on your recommendation, and then we can talk about it here instead of Game of uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> Duffer Brothers, they were born in 84. You and I are both older than that, man. They're best known yeah. for, uh, in, in uh, 2015, they did the, the, the thriller Hidden, and of course, now they're doing Stranger Things, but they also wrote episodes of Wayward Pines. So these guys, man, they're freaking brilliant. They're directing it. They're writing the episodes. It's just absolutely amazingly flawless television, man. I, I really I, – I can't speak highly uh, – listen, to me, there is no greater television show than MASH. There really isn't. When I look at number two, depending on how it goes right now, Stranger Things is number two, man. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. Wait till you start watching it, man. You are going to be so addicted – not only to the story, but to the acting. You're going to be addicted to the plot. You're going to be addicted to the music, the opening score, the way it's shot. It's just, it's just amazing. It better Absolutely be. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. All right, man. Um, we might be joined by our guest right now. We've got a private number coming through, so let's see if this is Jonathan Caviar right now. Jonathan, is that you? Hello. Hey, Jonathan. This is Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. How are you? We're doing great, man. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us. So, um, you know, we'll jump right into this and, and get started because a little bit later we're going to listen to your single, Pearl. Um, so let's start out with your career. Uh, we want to get to know you. Our listeners want to get to know you a little bit. Um, you were Alan Clark from the pop duo iTalk. Uh, but you changed your persona around and your music. Tell us the difference between the two personas and what led you to the music that you play today. <laughs> Persona-wise, it's kind of funny because I decided to go solo, and my music attorney and I were trying to come up with a name because it turned out that my name, Alan Clark, had been taken by three other people. So in terms <laughs> of market, con- right? So in terms yeah. of market confusion, we just decided, all right, I'll come up with some new name. Something something yeah. clever. And so mm-hmm. uh, I settled on a, a silly name uh, my brother and I came up with when we were kids, and uh, the name, the last name, Kaver. And so um, okay. I just used some name I came up with when I was 15. I ran it by my lawyer, and he's like, hey, no one no one took it. So I'm like, oh, I'll file it. It's mine now. Um, so that was how I came up with the name, just some silly name okay. from when I was a kid. But the song and, and musically, I think, I wanted to dial it back a bit and kind of feature my, my voice a little bit more and mm-hmm. the acoustic guitar a little bit more. Uh, it started to kind of happen in the last, uh, the last project we did. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that uh, I'm, I'm able to represent um, the whole collection of songs as one voice, whereas we would trade off uh, vocal duties and I talk. So it's, it's nice to have one voice all the way through with a, a collection of mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. Now, being solo, being from a group, which one do you prefer? There's advantages in, in both, honestly, but um, mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of a tennis in the last seven years, and I've found that I could do a lot of things 
on my own as in tennis playing singles. I'm out there by myself. And when there was no other constraints, it was, it was kind of fun to see what I could do on my own. And, and, and that kind of went into the, the solo uh, project. And I like uh, being in the middle of making the decisions. Um, but I must say that, yes, it's a solo project and musically and all that, but I have a fantastic team around me, Chip and mm-hmm. Chris at Miles High Production and, and, and my music attorney and, and my engineer and art people and, and photographers and directors. All those people make up a really good team. So there's a lot of people behind just the, the silly expression you see on the, the cover of the CD. There's a lot of people behind that. Yeah. So now, Pearl, uh, excuse me, Premiere came out uh, just a little bit before the summer. Um, what has the response been like from your fans and people just discovering your music? That's a great question. It's really been a fantastic response. The, um, mm-hmm. the, the reviews we've seen so far of the Premiere CD and the collection of songs uh, has been overwhelmingly really, really positive, really good. Uh, a lot of 9 out of 10 star reviews. Um, and also just nice comments and, and responses from people overall, uh, not only online, but also people I run into and, and uh, fans that were fans of iTalk as well uh, had drifted over and, and found the, uh, the Jonathan Conveyor solo CD. But it's, it's been great. And, uh, and this, this project, um, we'll probably talk about it a bit later on, now I've really incorporated videos to go along with the stories and the songs and the music um, that I've always had, but having the video aspect has been the difference between the band uh, setup and the solo setup, because in the band, we would do like live videos, kind of stuff like that, but never did music mm-hmm. video. So yeah. the music video side has really been a great avenue to take a song and put a different um, medium around uh, the expression of the song. Mm. So now let's talk about the music video for Pearl. Uh, watched it a few times already. I, I love the song. I listened to the album. I love a few of the songs on there. Uh, so what's the meaning behind the video? Because we have these girls with these red veils over their face, and we got the guy coming out of the ocean just pulling on that red uh, veil-type cord. What's the whole meaning behind the video um, and with this song? <laughs> it's funny because um, um, the director, Brad Wong, uh, provided a treatment, um, like a uh, storyboard of the video, and you have the story behind it. The actual song is about the journey of the, the couple false starts of girls I was engaged to before I found my wife uh, years ah. ago. Um, and so we kind of got to know each other. He knew that story. So he kind of introduced that story of the first two uh, were just not the right ones. You know, they were pretty and all mm-hmm. that, but just not, not a match until that one came along. And it's really just and he kind of made a, a nice, funny play, like another fish in the sea, that kind of thing. <laughs> There's another one out there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, and then, but the thing is, the girl throwing me or my um, my the younger version of me, played by Matthew. He's um, an actor, and he's also a, a French guy, tennis player guy. So we got along great. And he's playing the younger version of me, and you know, mm-hmm. they throw him back in the water or push him down, and it was really meant to be this compare and contrast. Uh, between mm-hmm. when I was younger and now um, I can look back at it. There's a moment in the in the video where I kind of run my fingers through my hair and shake my head and I become him. Yes. It's a little, yeah, it's about yeah. three quarters of the way through, yeah. and that, that was a really clever thing that Brett and, uh, and Cooper, the, the director of photography, came up with. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny because as I was watching the video, I didn't quite get what was going on. But now that you say it, I totally get it. Like, it's just it's just clear <laughs> as day now. Another <laughs> <laughs> fish in the sea kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's so, clever. It's it's now that I know it, I can see that it was just brilliantly filmed the video. Thank you. Yeah, they did a great job. And the funny thing is mm-hmm. that some of the songs from the CD I, I wrote over years and years of just they came together in a nice collection. Now, I mean, Pearl I wrote years ago about the story of me and my wife. We've been married a while now, and and it's funny because uh, I pulled a song out of the past, and now here it is a video. And she was there during the filming, and uh, and in the January video, you probably saw it if you look at the January video. That was there was a girl in there and stuff, and she's like, "Who's the girl?" I'm like, "I don't know. It's just some girl the director brought in. I don't know." So, so she wasn't there at that one, but she had to come to, come to the second video with me, and you'll see there's nothing yeah. nothing going on. There's a lot of downtime. Nothing happens. So she's wow. over on the side on the sand. I'm like, "See, it's not me. He's over there t- dancing with him and stuff. I'm not touching anybody here." <laughs> that's hilarious. So, even in saying that stuff doesn't go away, I guess, huh? <laughs> no, no, it's all the same. And it's funny because she's like, "Yeah, yeah, shut up, just do your thing." That's great. Now, how did she like the experience of being there and watching the video being filmed? It, it was cool. I mean, my daughters were there uh, as well, oh, and they great. got dad up there, and uh, mm-hmm. it was just really fun because um, a lot of this stuff, you know, we do our, you know, you do your show, I do my stuff. A lot of it is like a personal endeavor and it's kind of on your own. You have your other group of friends that kind of are into it. Sometimes I do these things kind of away from my family, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. right? I'm on well, yeah, doing shows, doing tours, whatever. So to have them there and to show, you know, the husband, dad, and his element um, doing something that I'm not just, you know, laying around petting the cats watching TV. I'm off, I'm yeah. off doing this thing. It was really cool because they got to mm-hmm. see me in a different element. But I got to say that, both directors and the cast and crew in both videos made it really easy for me to, to stay in character, especially the second video where there's a lot more deliberate direction. Brad had me doing things, getting me out of my comfort zone, stuff I would not normally do, and really taught me a process. And they saw me go through this evolution during the course of the day. And it was really cool to share that with them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So now I read and you just mentioned it before, you, you have a, a, a real love for tennis, and you pretty much play semi-professionally. Um, so how did you get into that, plus being in music at the same time? Yeah, I was, um, I was home recording an iTalk CD, and they had a special on the Tennis Channel where they were showing the French Open um, mm. for free, so you didn't have to pay for the premium service or whatever. And I just had it on in the background. I kind of watched it when I was younger. This was about seven years ago. So I was just playing in the background, had the volume down, had my headphones on. I was doing some editing and stuff, and, and I was watching this. It was like a two-week-long thing. I was I was home uh, editing, and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I played semi-pro baseball as well, and I thought, I'm kind of oh, sick really? of baseball. It looks like tennis is a little more action, a little more activity. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, I'm sick of the treadmill. I should try tennis. So I picked up the local teacher at the at the high school and then got completely – uh, addicted and into it, and plus the clothes are cool. Um, and just decided go. I was going to do this for exercise, but then I got so into it, I got you know, my normal competitive spirit took over and started playing leagues and then 
turned pro about three years ago and started getting some money from tournaments and stuff. But I played my age group. There's not a lot of money in it. Yeah. But a lot of players in the age group are former touring pros, college champions. And uh, last year I got up to 22 in my age group in the country. And uh, I nice. held my own at number number one in the Southwest for most of the year. And then dial it wow. back. And I just I play for trophies and a little bit of money here and there. And uh, and it's a, it's a nice, fun thing to do for exercise. There's a lot of uh, uh, clubs here in the Phoenix area where I can play with those guys. They're all fantastic players. And it helps me stay. Honestly, honestly it's made me a better singer, doing all the exercise, allowing me to, to – sing longer on stage, but I think I actually got a little more top end out of my uh, my vocal pitch on the on the top end of my range, and it's really helped nice. on singing overall. Yeah. Well, I, I used to play tennis every now and then, and it, it makes you breathe hard, so yeah, I'm sure your lungs are uh, getting bigger and bigger, so that's, <laughs> so that's always good when you're a singer. So, I like to throw curveballs at our guest every now and then, so I'm going to ask you this question. Um, Alright. If I can grant you a wish... And I can say, all right, here's an offer for you. You can either play professional tennis and compete at Wimbledon, at the U.S. Open, or you can tour all over the U.S. and play every single major arena. Which one would you choose? Clearly, the uh, musical dream is the goal. Awesome. Um, tennis yeah. is, is fun, and, and you know, uh, I'm nowhere near uh, the prime age you could play uh, U.S. Open and Wimbledon. I've played a lot of tournaments in Europe. <laughs> And in the U.S., right. I have a really good feel for how good those guys are, and I have no interest in getting embarrassed like that. I'd rather just pick uh, <laughs> the music. That's my that's my strike zone. A lot of the yeah. guys playing tennis who are fantastic started when they're you know four, five, six, seven years old. That's like me with music. I I started tennis much later. Definitely, to answer your question, um, mm. is uh, is the musical goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now let's dive a little bit into, uh, you know, many, many years ago. Um, what what got you into music while you were growing up, and who really inspired you? Um, we had a – the neighborhood we lived in, the teacher for the guitar class in junior high lived across the street. And I thought, you know, I should take a guitar class when I go to um, junior high back when they did that. And, um, mm-hmm. and if I can – if I screw it up and I can't learn, I can always – knock on my neighbor's door and he can help me out. <laughs> um, <but> then, <laughs> years, yeah. So then, you know, a couple of years of acoustic guitar there, then I picked up an electric guitar and we did um, meet a bunch of guys from school. This is like eighth grade or something. Did a talent show and we were Kiss, did rock and roll night. And oh, nice. we won the talent show the very first time I ever mm-hmm. played on stage. I said, okay, oh, wow. I want to do this. Yeah. So that's what happened. It was the very first time on stage, and I said, I want to do this. And so I, I always picked away at it with doing, you know, day jobs and everything else that people do. And um, um, over the years, the influences, bands like um, Kiss, really liked Cheap Trick, the Scorpions. And then nice. later on um, in the early 80s when the second British invasion happened, bands like The Fix, uh, Flock mm-hmm. of Seagulls, especially Duran Duran, um, mm-hmm. Human League, uh, all these cool bands that came over. Uh, I worked in a record store in high school, um, and all the we found all the bands that were coming into town, and we would go see them. There was a there was a, another big influence was ABC, all these really cool uh, early '80s bands were such a huge influence. So we blended uh, the rock influence 
um, that we had growing up with the the next wave of the British scene and the new wave uh, music that came together. So we had kind of heavy, a heavy new wave sound in the bands that we were in at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so all the rock musicians would come see us because we had a really like a double bass uh, drummer along with my, my brother played bass and he had, you know, the, the uh, Rudy Sarzo from uh, Ozzy Osbourne kind of uh, finger picking yep. and flying his bass mm-hmm. around. But then I was like pouting Nick Rhodes on keyboards behind the stage. And then we had wow. like Bono as a lead singer. It's kind of this weird combo, but that, mm-hmm. that band was a lot of fun. We were just teenagers playing all these places that we couldn't get into otherwise, because you're all 21. We had to stay in the back the whole time. Yeah. And just all these bands that came out in the time, we got influenced, and then eventually that band broke up. I talked to this thing for a while, and all those things. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that happened over the course of iTalk was in early 2000, I had an opportunity to work with Dave Kent. He was the engineer at the time for uh, David Sylvian and Steve Jansen. Those guys are uh, from a band called Japan from England, and they were living in Napa, uh, California at the time. And they're huge rock stars in Europe and Asia. Most Americans don't know who they are, but like Peter Gabriel would play with those guys. They were huge. Those guys opened their studio up to me and let me use their stuff. And I had this great uh, experience working with these world-class um, producers. And then eventually they helped out doing some tracks on our early iTalk um, recordings and stuff. And that moment of my rock star heroes helping us along the way was the, the pivotal turning point towards my professional music career because I realized that, hey, my heroes think I'm good. That gave me the confidence to pursue this to the level I am now. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very, very nice. Well, we're going to listen to your latest single, uh, Pearl, right now. Um, but well, I want to ask you before we let you go, so now what's next for you now that Premiere is out and uh, you know, and you're doing these music videos, what's next for you down the road now. Yeah, sure. Um, so next week, I go back to Northern mm-hmm. California to film a video for uh, the song Promise. It's, all, um, it's near the end of the premiere CD. And we're also probably going to film like a, a live version of me doing some other songs. So I'll be performing uh, a live one in a music video for those two songs. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to start um, doing this every now and then, releasing a cover song of a band that I really liked. And the first one that comes out is at the end of August. It comes out on iTunes is uh, my version of Safer Prayer by Duran Duran. Oh, great too. And then comes a moment video. We're going to film that in October, November uh, here in Arizona. And that'll probably come out near the end of the year. And that's with another um, awesome uh, award-winning director here in Arizona. So those are the teams coming up here soon. Good stuff. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. So now uh, your website is uh, caviarmusic.com. Can fans and listeners go there to find out more about you and, you know, future dates for maybe events and concerts? Yeah, Caviar Music is the best place to go, and there's launch points from there for Facebook and Twitter and other stuff. But, yeah, start there on the website. Great also. And also you can follow uh, Jonathan on Twitter at twitter.com slash jcaviarmusic, and we will put that on our Facebook and our official website later tonight after this show. So, Jonathan, seriously, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can get you back in the future uh, so we can listen to some more of your music. Hey, I really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Have man. a good one. Man. You too. That was uh, Jonathan Cavier, and right now we're going to listen to his latest single, which goes by the name of 
Pearl. There you go. That was uh, Pearl by Jonathan Caver, man. Really good stuff. Um, I like the mix of the 80s, 90s, and now with his music, Jeff. Um, you know, when I listen to it, like he said, you get the feel of that next wave and new wave type of 80s music, and I love it, man. Very cool. It's got a little uh, little Elvis Costello in it, if you will. Um, really good stuff. I enjoyed it. I, uh, I'm a fan. I like that song. Uh, I'll put it on my... Uh, my music library, and it'll play randomly, and I will enjoy it. Good stuff. Good guy, too. Yeah, really good. Very fun. 
Yeah, I had a good time talking to him. Hopefully we can get him back on in the uh, future. We can listen to some more songs off of his new album, Premiere, which you can check out at caviarmusic.com. It'll be in the uh, post for this show tonight on stoopradio.com, excuse me, as long as with his uh, Twitter account as well, so you can follow him. Really cool guy. Um, can't wait to hear and see more of him, man. So good, 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 good stuff. Um so, yeah, um, let me ask you this now. Um, we didn't get to this a little earlier, but the Olympics are about to start, I believe, next week. Yeah. And uh, Olympic athletes are pretty pissed off, man, that they cannot play Pokemon Go around Rio. Uh, my question to you is, should they just be happy that they're at the freaking Olympics, man? <laughs> you would think so. It goes to show you the priorities are changing. You're at the Olympics. Who gives a crap? about playing Pokemon Go with the Olympics. Really? That that's what it's gotten to? I mean the the fame, the all the moment, the hard work to get there. Probably the smoking hot chicks all over the place too. And you're worried about that? That that's that's a shame, man. It's a shame. <laughs> that's crazy, man, because we always knew, and I'll tell you that now, that the thing that pretty much floated around most at the Olympics was condoms. That was a pretty big deal. Um there so uh yeah pokemon go i mean what the heck i don't get it man i really do not get it but yeah they're pissed off that they can't play pokemon go weird Uh, weird people (laughs) at the olympics man amen unbelievable takes all all pipes anyway all right man well that's uh tonight's show let's promote the next few shows uh this thursday night august 4th we'll be joined by actress erin hayes from the new CBS comedy, Kevin Can Wait, starring Kevin James. And then on August 8th, our friend, who should have been here with us Thursday, musician Erica Chase will be joining us, and we'll get to listen to some of her music. August 11th, musician Eddie Mann will join us. We'll listen to some of his tunes. August 18th, all-girl metal group Sin of Night, straight out of Rome. Yes, in Italy, will be joining us, along with their U.S. manager and our good friend Ian Holt. And then August 25th, a Night with Lilith. Our good friend yeah. Lilith from Lilith and a Night will be joining us, and exclusively we'll be debuting their entire EP, Cold Insanity, right here on The Stoop. Man, I'm looking forward to that, dude. I'm, I'm so amped about all of our guests. We have amazing guests, but uh, an evening with Lilith is um, it's going to be incredible. She is an amazing talent. Like I said before, a lot of my friends... Uh, you know, they're starting to look into the show and listen to us. They've asked me about her. This is the night, man. August 25th, you will have that uh, British accent and some hardcore tunes. And let's um, yeah. take a step back and take a wonderful human being as well. Great girl. Well worth the listen. Can't wait, man. Cannot wait. That's going to be a great, great one. All right, man. So that's it for tonight's episode of The Stoop. A short one, but a great one, as we were joined by Jonathan Caviar tonight. And like I said, you can check him out at uh, caviarmusic.com. And seriously, check out his new album uh, premiere. It's a really, really good album. Um, So, yeah, for uh, Jeff Perini, I am Jonathan Raggis. And uh, we'll see you all Thursday with actress Erin Hayes. So don't miss it then. We'll see you all. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, check out stoopradio.com. See you all Thursday.